So tonight I'm here to share with you one of the greatest secrets that I discovered. Tonight we're going to pull back the curtain and I'm going to share with you one of magic's greatest secrets. This is so secret that most magicians don't know it. The secret is a magic word that has transformational power. In fact, it's the universal magic word, and you all know it. What's the universal magic word? Abracadabra. <laughs> Where does abracadabra come from, and what does it mean? It means what I speak is what I create. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. I'm your teacher of the mysteries and preacher of the heart, Brother Marty Leeds. Thank you all for being here this morning. I really appreciate all the people that do stop by and join us for Sunday service. It's a great group of people. we got a good congregation here, and we love doing what we do. So we do service every Sunday at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time, and you can get this usually live on Rockfin, usually live on YouTube and that sort of thing. Um, but because we're traveling right now, we're just going, uh, we're just, there's a pre-recorded that's going on YouTube. So, uh, so thanks for, to everyone for being here this morning. God bless you all. Okay. Today we're just going to jump right in as we do. This is episode 90 of the Sunday services. And this is the word that breaks all magic spells. Today we're going to talk about magic. That's what we're going to be discussing today. But before we do that, as we do, let's do a prayer. Almighty God, we bless you for our lives we give you praise for your abundant mercy and grace we receive. We thank you for your faithfulness, even though we are not that faithful to you. Lord Jesus, we ask you to give us all around peace in our mind, body, soul, and spirit. We want you to heal and, and remove everything that is causing stress, grief, and sorrow in our lives. Please guide our path through life and make our enemies be at peace with us. Let your peace reign in our family, at our place of work, businesses, and everything we lay our hands on. Let your angels of peace go ahead of us when we go out and stay by, by our side when we return. In Jesus' name, amen. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus' name. Uh, well, we're going to talk about magic today. And what most people don't, I think, realize is that Marty Leeds is a magician. Yes, that's right. I'm a magician. And what do I mean by that? Uh, most people think that magic is, a, is all about pulling rabbits out of your hat and doing tricks and levitation and stuff like that. And yes, that is a part of magic or whatever, but we're actually going to talk about the esoteric magic. We're going to talk about what the real potent power of magic and what it actually reveals. Um, so this actually comes from Henrik Cornelius Agrippa. This is like an introduction to one of his books. And he was basically talking about how most people, even back in the day, and I think this was like 1500s, 1600s or something like that, don't quote me, but, you know, back in the Dizay, as I like to say, um, they were dealing with the same ideas, um, esoteric, mystical-minded people, magicians, really, really. We're dealing with the same sort of... Um, really superstitions and things like that that go that happen in fundamentalist and literalist religions, especially with Christianity. You know, it wasn't even 10 years ago that if I, if I said a cult or gematria and stuff like that, people would immediately be like, oh, you're a devil worshiper, especially Christians. Still happens today. Though that, that tide is changing a little bit, I'll say this. But in general, Henry Cornelius Agrippa was dealing with the same thing back then we were dealing with now. People's superstition. People are like, oh, magic, it's all bad. Stay all away from it. Of course, these are the same people that tell you to stay away from number symbolism and Kabbalah and numerology and astral, you know, just astrology and astrotheology. It's the same people that have, the same people that are literally like, yes, we need to march into Israel and, and annihilate a whole group of people. Those are the same people that are telling you magic be bad, okay? Gospel says 
espresso. Okay, and what we're going to find out today that that's all horse shit, as we do. So, anyway, this comes from Henrik Cornelius, Agri Cornelius Agrippa, uh, alchemist, we could call him an alchemist, uh, Christian mystic, that sort of thing. But this is what he said back in the day about how people were viewing magic. Um, and he's basically talking about how he was going to call his book, The Three Occult Books on Philosophy, he was going to call it The Three Occult Books on Magic. Um, um, but he didn't because of, well, he'll, he'll tell you, right? Because of some disordered judgment that su and some that believe that, well, let me say this again, it, amongst which there are some that have a disordered judgment and some that are perverse will come to hear what I say, who by their rash ignorance may take the name of magic in the worst sense. And those scarce having seen the title of my book cry out that I teach the forbidden arts I sow the seeds of heresies, I offend the pious and scandalize excellent wits, that I am a sorcerer and superstitious and devilish, who indeed am a magician. And so this is these are the same sort of accusations and criticisms that I've gotten over the years. Like, you're a devil worshiper and shit like that. They were dealing with this, how, how many, like hundreds of years ago? And what is Agrippa, how does he answer? To whom I answer that a magician doth not amongst learned men signify a sorcerer or one that is superstitious or devil, devilish, but a wise man, a priest, and a prophet. And then he goes on to say that the wise men that's mentioned in the Bible that are sometimes called the three magi, even though it doesn't say magi, it doesn't say even say three, but the wise men, the reference to the wise men is a reference to magicians, right? And that's and then he goes on to say that the Sibyls were magicianesses and therefore prophesied most clearly of Christ. They were astrologers. They looked at they looked for a star in the east, remember? Oh, those pesky astrologers. And that magicians as wise men by the wonderful secrets of the world knew Christ the author of the world to be born and came first of all to worship him. This as well comes from Henrik Cornelius Agrippa and basically talking about the practicality of magic. And literally, it's exactly what we teach. I literally just picked this book up maybe like uh, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, whatever it was. I don't even remember. Um, but he's literally saying what magic is is literally exactly what we're teaching at this academy and, and church. Whosoever, therefore, is desirous to study in this faculty of magic if he be not skilled in natural philosophy, wherein are discovered the qualities of things, and in which are found the occult properties of every being, the hidden meaning of everything, and if he is not skilled in mathematics, and in the aspects and figures of the stars, and if he be not learned in theology, he cannot possibly able to understand the rationality of magic. So magic has a rationality. The only way that you can actually, according to Agrippa here, the only way that you can actually absolutely understand the magic of this creation and the magical world that you're in is if you're skilled in natural philosophy, if you understand mathematics and the aspects and figures of the stars, and which, and if you also are learned in what? The divine theology. And that's really what magic is all about. Magic, just this is a little, uh, little this sort of like a, Pre, um, preview to what we're going to talk about today, but um, I'm not going to go into this too much, but magic is really all about the great work. That's really what it's all about. This is Albert Pike telling you this straight up, that the real magic in this world is completing the great work and undergoing the study of the esoteric, of the occult to complete that great work. And that great work is all about your journey back to God, period, end of story, as we know. Like all the mysteries of magism, this is what Pike has to say, the secrets of the great work have a threefold signification. Signification: They are religious, philosophical, and natural. 
And so when we talk about the great work, we've talked about this before, um, it's, it's a magical process. That's what it is. There's really no other, you know, it's a mystical and magical process. There's really no other word or, you know, adjective or whatever you want to say that, that uh, um, describes or defines it. You know, and this is what all the alchemy, of course, when we look at the tarot deck, masonry is all about the great work. And this, and once again, this is just a little preview, but you know, the, the, the magism and magnetism, that sort of thing, the great work we absolutely know is bringing together the opposites. That's what it is. It's the coincidentia positorum. It's the unity of opposites. It's taking a left and a right, a male and a female, a Shiva and a Shakti, an Adam and Eve, whatever you want to say. The polarities, the quote-unquote polarities or quote-unquote dualities in this existence and realizing they come from one thing. And that's God Almighty. And that's the one true source of all things. Okay? And so we can actually reveal this whole spiritual conquest in a magnet. And that's exactly what it is. That north and south, you're going to take those energies and make it the one, as I like to say, the you know the 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 you know the left and the right, and and bring them together into the one celestial beam of faith. And that's really what that's really what magic is actually all about. The there's a dark magic and a light magic, and we'll get into that. And the dark magic is everything about dark magic is literally to keep you away from doing the great work. What is the great work? And then we'll move on to uh, to uh, magic spells and what magic actually means. In basic terms, this actually comes from uh, freemasonryinformation.com, I believe. I'm just going to read this quick because this is really what, in one sense, what this church is all about on many levels. In basic terms, the great work is the idea of completing the development of our soul. Amen. By completing it, I mean finding within ourselves the spark of the cosmic consciousness and nurturing it to a state of understanding the wider universe around us. A lofty goal. And not surprisingly, one that is seldom, if ever, brought to completion. Amen once again. But in undertaking such an endeavor, it is important to not try to put the cart before the horse. While considering the great work as the length and breadth of a career, the reality is that the work itself is an ongoing pursuit made by degree, the production of which making small, nearly imperceptible changes to the inner life that slowly make themselves known in the external domain. So what is the great work? The great work is the betterment of oneself. Be it through learning and or doing our trade, perfecting our life, providing for the health and welfare of our family, or contributing to the uplifting of mankind. It's in the undertaking of these tasks that the effort of the great work begins to shape the world around us. The hardest part of understanding what the great work represents is knowing that the work is just that. Work. And I say this all the time. You know, we will show our faith by our works that your spiritual conquest is going to take work. And if you're actually on that spiritual quest, that, that spiritual endeavor, that hero's journey on the way back home to the Almighty, you will be working the rest of your life. There is no retirement for those who are dedicated to God. It isn't something that you can buy on a shelf or order online. Remember when we talked about when uh, Jesus was going over to the money tables and the, you know, the, the, the changers in the temple and he flipped it over and they were trying to sell doves? This is exactly what we were saying. This is exactly what we mean. This is what Freemasonry is telling you. Those evil Freemasons. It isn't something you can achieve in the simple reading of a text. No. The great work manifests itself in the assimilation of information and application in the real world. It comes out of the understanding of perspectives other than one's own and seeing meaning from the eyes of the stranger, putting yourself in another's shoes, following the golden rule, in other words. We've talked about this before, right? Correct. Think in terms of walking a mile in another person's shoes. In this aphorism, the purpose, the purpose is the development of empathy for the world around you, much in the way of the golden rule. Okay, so that's really what, the, what magic should lead you to. 
That's what magic really is all about, is, is finishing and, and performing and finishing that great work. And your whole life is given to that. Now, we started this whole thing by talking about abracadabra, because this is one of the most, um, you know, well-known, literally across the world, that if you say magic, you say, what's the magic word to do to a magic trick? Abracadabra, of course, right? And as you can see from that TED Talks, I'm not sure who that guy was, but he's a magician for like 40, 50 years or something like that, for a long time anyway. Um, and he was basically saying, maybe not that long, 30 years, I forget what he said. Anyway, the point is this. Anyway, he was basically saying that abracadabra, that most people don't really know what that means. It just seems like this, you know, it's like, well, it's just a magic word. But it actually means, as many people know, we create what we speak. And this is really going to be the theme of this whole live stream is that we create what we what we speak, what we speak into the world. And it actually shows how much power we have as, as individuals and how the world is actually formed. So we manifest our reality. So... Um, you know, here's a, you see the pie symbol on the top there. Uh, this is this guy basically speaking, you know, into the world, you know, that sort of thing. He's like speaking creation into the world, that sort of thing. And we do this all the time. And we are actually, as we're going to see, um, we're actually very, very powerful beings. And we actually have a, um, a divine light magic behind us in order to change the world that we're currently in. Okay. And so these are all the abracadabras that we see um, around. There's one on the cross, of course. Abracadabra, I, I, I uh, create what I speak. There it is. And, of course, that word is triangulated. I wonder if they're referencing math at all. They are. Okay, so here's Rabbi Stephen Letter, and he's going to talk about abrac abracadabra. So this is a Jewish man. He's going to talk about how important the notion of what we speak into, the, you know, what we speak, we create, how important this is to not only this rabbi, but also to basically just to uh, Judaism. You know that um, phrase abracadabra? Yeah. That magicians use? To, that comes from the Talmud. It's an Aramaic phrase. Abra kidabra. Abra kidabra, which means I create as I speak. We create words as we speak. So in the Bible, think about it. The story of creation. And God said, let there be light the world was created through speech with words and so that's the first hebrew thing that just amazes me it's this idea of words and thing being the same so as you can see there he said it comes from the talmud talmud it is a hebrew thing and even though it was aramaic anyway um they they always take credit for everything everything is hebrew first every uh, the most pure language is hebrew english is not we'll, we'll talk about this today later english is not a sacred language but hebrew is every they they always take credit for everything the creation of the world god himself right but what he's saying is is very true that there's lots of um and there's lots of rabbis that absolutely believe this and talk about this right here's rabbi uh, pj schwartz and he's saying i love magic I love that after speaking those magic words, abracadabra, you can pull a rabbit out of a hat, make something disappear, move the card you choose, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And he's saying, oh, well, it's written in the Talmud, which literally means I will create as I speak. What I speak, I create, that sort of thing. So before we get into and explaining all of this, let's talk about what is magic, okay? Magic is a, is the, and this is literally the definition of magic. Magic is the power of apparently influencing the course of events by using mysterious or supernatural forces. Let's say this again. Magic is the power of apparently influencing the course of events by using mysterious or supernatural forces. Well, guess what, ladies and germs? You're doing that all the time. You're doing that all the time. Every waking moment of your day, you're doing that. You're performing magic. 
Okay, um, this actually comes from I'll talk about this, this is a Manly Palmer Hall book on magic, and it's and there's a little graphic there. It says the power of choice, God's greatest gift to man, and the cause of all suffering and the hope of immortality is your ability to choose, to choose what to speak into the world, what you know you to create what you you know what you speak. Okay. So when we say that you're doing this all the time, what supernatural forces are you using? Language. Language itself is a supernatural force. Well, what do you mean, Marty? It's the same thing in, in, as numbers. So when we say that numbers are supernatural, that they're metaphysical, they are. Once again, there's no number, physical number seven anywhere that you can drive to and go, you know, uh, caress its little, uh, you know, line and hump and all this. You know what I mean? Like there's no, and there's, is there a number, it's like a, a letter T, the physical letter T anywhere or the letter S anywhere? No, we can see forms like this in creation, of course, you know, with things slithering and sliding and, and that sort of snaking along with an S. But is there any physical S or T or A? No. Okay, so what does that mean? There is no physicality to language in this sense. It is metaphysical. Itself, language itself, is magic. So when we say we're using a supernatural, magic is the supernatural force to influence things, you're doing that all the time. Language is itself supernatural, okay? Aleister Crowley actually said this, why should you study and practice magic? Because you can't help doing it. And you had better do it well than badly. I mean, there you go. Why should you study and practice? Why should you be listening to the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ who is teaching you all of these uh, occult, you know, mystic, magical things? Why should you be doing that? Because you're doing it anyway. And you should know what you're doing. Now, people are like, Aleister Crowley, why are you promoting Aleister Crowley? Well, you know, I'm, I always come from the position that learn from every man. I don't, to be honest, never been a fan of Aleister Crowley. I think I've listened to the Book of Law on tape and maybe picked apart some of like Magic 777 or something. He never got me or anything. Like I didn't care about the dude. I just, I just, I don't know. Some people, people ask about Crowley all the time. And I'm just like, oh, I just don't really give a shit or anything. You know, but I always say learn from every man. And so you can learn from the evil man. You can learn from the good man. You can learn from the idiot. You can learn from the lost soul. You can learn from, you know, that sort of thing. You know, and um, that's what it's really all about. That's what the Gnostic perspective, okay? Um <sighs> You are speaking reality into existence. So talk about what's good. That comes from Dr. Melissa Sell. And that's very true. When we say we speak reality uh, into existence, I'll show you exactly what we mean by that. So magic and its relationship to language. Let's just look at the, the terms of magic. When you say, oh, we're going to cast a magic spell upon you. And it's what is it? Well, it's rites and seances and spells. These are classic terms that are magical terms. Well, rite is just like writing. And seances is what? It's just, you know, very, very close to sentences. Spells, when you cast a spell, well, it has to do with spelling. All of these things have to do with words and the language that we're using. This metaphysical medium. Okay? And what we're going to see is mysticism and, and magic go hand in hand. Okay? When we say mysticism, we might as well say magic. A mystical and magical mindset allows us to make conscious what is unconscious. And that's really what the great work is. Slowly, sure, and sh you know, slowly but surely, through these incremental steps, what you're undoing is unveiling the truth, the tr you know, the, the the meaning behind everything in the world. Okay, you know, people people have claimed that you know you put meaning on things. No, you don't. No, t the number two has an absolute. You know, the number three has an absolute meaning. It has divisors. It has ways it plays out in the world, and you can extract that higher meaning from the metaphysical or supernatural uh, thing in and of itself. 
Okay, the magical, uh, the, you know, the, the, the role of the mystic and the role of the magician is to absolutely see those things with your eyes and uncover them in your, un, in your consciousness. Okay, it's all, about, it's all about the development of your consciousness. The world itself is magical. It's miraculous. It's teeming with the divine in all things. And just just so just so we know that you know as as you know the the you know it's the you know it's a, a truth in plain sight kind of thing right it's the secrets in plain sight you know just look at your hands how many people had no idea that all those mathematics were right in front of them it's been there the entire time but you needed to actually seek out a mystical or magical mindset to unveil what was right in front of you and not only that also understand it because it's one thing if somebody comes along and be like hey adding one through seven is twenty eight that's right in front of you. Okay, cool. What does that mean? Why is that important? The mystical and magical mindset gives you the meaning and the importance of it. And it, it, will, it will always be universal and it will always be transcendental because all of those things come from God Almighty. And that's what you're there to unveil. Okay? The world is full of magical things, patiently waiting for your senses to grow sharper. W.B. Yeats. Amen. One of the things that I talk about all the time is that if you, when, when you know, we, we go throughout the world and... You know, um, you know, we're born into this world and we're born into a world with tons of, you know, questions and we don't have answers for things and we're stumbling around half the time in the dark, you know, banging our shin and trying to, you know, opening the wrong door and going in there, blah, blah, blah. We're kind of lost in this world, right? And because we're filled in a world, in a um, zeitgeist right now, in a world age where, you know, let's just say the, the, the you know, the devil's got the ear of most people, right? In this sense, the, the world, the world age is being run by a demonic force, right? So if we're trying to find truth in that world, we look around and it's like, well, God, it's all lies. What do I trust? What do what can I actually, you know, uh, plant my feet in? Well, as we're going to find is what I always say is that, well, the mystery has the mystery of how to um, unravel this mess that we're in, right? To uh, the antidote to the poison, if you will, has been put into our language. Okay. If you encode the mystery of God within the language, it can never be lost. Unless that, unless you kill all the people that speak that language and completely destroy a language, if the mystery is kept in, the mystery of God, the mystery of what we're doing here, the mystery of your magical pursuit back to heaven, if you will, right? If you encode that within the language, it doesn't matter what books you burn, it doesn't matter what temples you burn down, it does it, it will always it will remain. It can't be killed, it can't be destroyed. In this sense, it's quote unquote incorruptible. Okay? So thus. If you encode the mystery of God, the mystery of our divinity, of our of our uh, connection with God, if you encode that within the language, it can never be destroyed. And thus, the solution to breaking the spells that we're under is always in, quote-unquote, the Word. It's always in our language. Burn all the Bibles. Burn all the books. Destroy all the temples. Do whatever the fuck you want. At the end of the day, guess what? The truth is in the very words we're speaking. And this is what magic is all about. And this is where Gamatria comes in, of course. So how many people over the years have been like, yeah, Gamatria is retired. All these people that literally claimed that they were smart. I listened to it for years. Listened to it for years. By the way, none of them sent me a message being like, oh, I'm sorry. I called all what you're saying bullshit. I'm not going to receive those messages. Just say, no, that's fine. I don't want them. The point is this. I've been talking about Gamatria for literally 10 plus years now, right? Basically saying, hey, look. We're uncovering the magic of our alphabet, of many different alphabets. That includes French and German and Spanish. We've talked about that. But not only that, gematria is the thing that absolutely allows you to, to decode the deeper meanings and levels and, and, and mysticism and magic of the Bible. This is what gematria is all about. 
okay? So when I say that this gematria is absolutely one of the key magical arts to help you understand your reality, help you understand the good book, help you understand what's literally right in front of you, I absolutely mean that and I'm not mincing any words. That's not uh, hy you know, hyperbolic or some shit, okay? And what do I mean by that? When you say magic, how many people think of this? So if you're listening at home, I'm just showing a picture of the Ouija board. And you see a bunch of candles around there, and they've got the things, and they, you get together in a dark room, and you do a little seance, and then, you know, that sort of thing. And then you call your great-great-grandmother who's been dead for 40 years or something like that and be like, oh, Ginny, how, you know, how are the cupcakes in heaven or wherever you are? You know, that sort of shit, right? That's what most people assume magic is. And then they get wrapped up in that. And that's, this, is, this is modern, in, in this sense, modern Christianity to a T, right? You say magic, you say astrology, you say a cult, you say you say Freemasonry, and you watch, you literally watch their head just start exploding because this is what they think that magic is. Getting together in a dark room and trying to, you know, talk to your dead ancestors or bring up demons or whatever the fuck it is, okay? And I'm here to say that that's not really, when you talk about light magic, we'll get into that is what it's all about at all. Um, that Ouija board right there, speaking of Gamatria, this is what I mean about actual magic, Okay, this Ouija board, as many of you know, encodes the cipher. And not only that, so there you go. It's A through M and N through Z. It's arched up to the G and T. Look below. What do you have there? The Ouija board and the people that, that were, you know, trademarked the Ouija board and sold it and stuff like that can guarantee they knew the magic of this world. They, I can guarantee they knew what abracadabra was and what it actually meant. What you speak, you create. So... The Ouija board is telling you about magic. But, you know, most people are wrapped up in a superstitious version of magic. But there's real magic. It's happening right now. You're, you're engaged in it whether you like it or not. So you should learn it. And that's why what we're doing here at the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ is very important. I'll say it again this week. Okay? So before, I'm just, this is the only gematria I'm going to do today. Even though I just said gematria is magic, but I'm not, you know, it's all about language and spelling. We're not going to do any gematria today except this right here. And I'm just going to show you this, and I'm just going to say it very, very briefly um, because there's a lot of other things I want to cover today. But abracadabra, that word, the, the magic word, what, what I speak, I create, encodes squaring the circle and pi. I've included it in the book, uh, Pi in the English Alphabets, Volumes 1 through 3. But Abra, oh, excuse me, <laughs> as, I, as I burp my magic, this is what I'm speaking into the world, burps. Um, Abra Kadabra. Abra Kadabra, look at that. Abra is 9, Bra is 8. That's literally the squaring the circle. 9 and 8, a circle of 9 will roughly equal the square of 8. Okay? And what's between? Kada. Abra Kadabra. C-A-D-A -A is 3141. It's pi. The most famous word for casting a spell is abracadabra. If you break up the abracadabra into three sections, you know, reflective of the Holy Trinity in this sort of sense, right? You have, what do you have? Just, let's just say smack dab in the middle there. Pi. Okay? So, once again... We talk about, hey, Israel was formed on Pi Day. And then the, the live stream we did right before that was talking about how Pi has encoded all these names of God. And you can see it in your cosmology. And you see it here and 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 here. Right? You can't flip on a light switch. You can't, you can't light a candle without Pi being there. Well, this is what we mean. It allows you to see what has been hidden. Okay? How do you actually manipulate reality? 
You do it with language. There's all sorts of ways you can manipulate reality. Of course, we have CGI, we have, you know, um, you know, video, and we, you know, you can, all these sorts of tricks and, you know, all the propaganda. There's all sorts of different ways that we know um, to, you know, manipulate reality and we see it every single day. But the first, the first way you do it, the first way you do it, because before we had any technology like audio and video and, you know, uh, podcasting and internets and shit like that, how did people communicate? Well, duh, they communicated with language. So if you're gonna manipulate the reality, the very world in which we live and everything about it and your place in it and your relationship to God and what language is, the first thing you do is you fuck with the language. You distort the language. And we can see this a lot. Um, and so what ends up happening when we don't, un, we don't um, when you say, um, unravel, if you will, the, 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 the lies of, of, you know, of, of our reality, of the, all these spells that have been cast upon us. If we don't unravel them, then we get chained to them, okay? And that's really what's happened. And when we get chained to those lies, then we're chained to what? Well, we're, we're chained to the devil. We're not chained to God in this sort of sense, okay? And so let's talk about some of the spells that have been cast upon humanity, all right? And these are all spells, and you'll and this is and this is really easy to see too when people once once you've broken the spells, it's really easy to see where when people are still caught up in them. Okay, so what are some of the main spells? There's ton. I mean, we could we could do a, a three hour live stream about all the spells that we cast on humanity, but let's just pick up you know uh, pick up uh, you know, pick out like seven important ones here. Okay, number one, history. History is a lie. Now, it's saying all of history is a lie, that we can't rely on any history. That's not what I'm saying at all. But the idea that we have some linear objective record of history for 100 years, 500 years, 1,000 years, 2,000 years is ridiculous. It's ridiculous at this point. Okay? Um, all of history, the idea that we even have some sort of physical, you know, materialistic, once again, like I said, objective record of history, linear kind of thing is retarded. It's retarded. Yet people, especially Christians, are completely wrapped up in it. They have to be because their Savior was here 2,000 years, 2000 years ago. Don't you remember? Right? Once you break that, you realize, oh, something else is going on here. We don't have a history. That's a spell. And that spell, that's a, that's a big one. Everybody's under that spell. That's for sure. Cosmology, I think many of us know. Cosmology. You know, um, we'll talk about that in just a second. We, we're, we're being lied to about where we live. And how do they do this? Well, number one, of course, once again, through audio, video, blah, 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 you know, photoshopped images of space and all this other shit. But one of the ways they do it is, well, I'll show you just a second. Of course, it's a globe. It's a globe. Where do I live? It's a globe. Literally just changing plane to globe. And what did you do? You just put in, you just put the image of where you actually live into somebody's mind. And how did you do that? With a word, with a word, a singular word. Um, the origin of man, of course, right? That's that's being lied to. But it's a big bang. It was this a giant. There was nothing, and then in the middle of nothing, everything farted, and it just came out. Me, me talking about farts again here, my lord. Anyway, in the beginning, there was nothing. It was a blackness and deep, and then all of a sudden, everything exploded for no reason whatsoever, and then everything just started. You know, all of that complete nonsense. No, you know. And what do they do that? It's just tale after tale, lie after lie, propaganda after propaganda, and it's all stories. Done how? Through language. Virology and medicine, of course. I think we I think we know this. Just literally telling you there's viruses. And then, of course, also having a, um, you know, like a, the whole computer thing and things like that. And then all the terminology. It's like you got a virus on your computer. All of that is to instill into your head that these things are real. Be scared. Taxes, government authority. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, I'll go back to that in just a second. False doctrines and religions. 
all of if and we'll talk about this as well moving forward if you're in a if you're in a church a christian church and stuff like that and they're telling you to go annihilate a group of people as they are right now as that's happening literally as i'm saying this right now you're under a false doctrine you're following the devil and do you know how they did that they manipulated the bible they manipulated how you understand the bible they made sure through all the all the manipulation of language that you'd never understand what those terms mean. What do heaven and earth mean? What does Lord and God mean? Nobody has a fucking clue as far as I could tell. How, how did that happen? Language. And then, of course, self-delusions. Um, LGBTQ, we don't, we don't need to go into that. I think you all know that. We're all suffering, uh, well, not all of us, but most people are suffering under the, the, the spellcraft, which is exactly what it is, of taxes. Some shit was written down. You think you have an obligation to it. You don't. And then you were convinced that your entire life. And everybody, that spell went out everywhere. Death and taxes. The only thing that's true in the world is death and taxes. Right? And then that's it. And that's how it works. No, you don't have any obligation to pay the government. Well, I'm, I'm not even going to say that. The head of the IRS will go on and swear on a Bible in court and say, yes, there's no law which requires you to pay taxes. Yet everybody still pays taxes, right? Most people still pay taxes, right? Why? Because a lot of people think that they actually have an obligation to do so. How was that done? Through language. Then, of course, you have the United States tax code. It's a code. People, what happened during COVID was statutes and, you know, we had statutes and ordinances and orders and proclamations and all these things. All of that was word trickery. To convince a bunch of people that, oh, I ha I'm obligated to do this because of an authority. Authority, there's another word trick. You have an authority. You Everybody has an authority, and it's God Almighty. Anybody else that claims they're an authority over God, or, you know, then what is that? That's a spellcraft. That's what that's, lots and lots of people think that. So the entire tax code is a book of spells. That's what it is. That's a magical book. It's a book of spells. You know what else is a book of spells? Black's Law Dictionary. It's one big book of magic spells. We have definitions, normal definitions of words that everybody pretty much agrees on. And generally, no, I can't even say that anymore. But generally, we understand the definitions of words and we agree upon those essential definitions. And then we have, when we go into law, we have this other book that changes every year or two, whatever like that, updated editions, in which all of those terms are changed or different or that sort of thing. So that way, when you go into a court of law, you, you the magic will get you. you. You'll have to go to somebody that allegedly knows what these things mean and they, even they're con artists. And so then you won't know it. You're just caught in a big magic spell. All through the manipulation of words. All of it. You pay taxes right now because you're under a magic spell. Period. Black, this is another, once again, learn from every man. This is another thing that Aleister Crowley had to say. He said, black magic is not a myth. And that's really what all of these things are. When we talk about all of these things, these spells that have been cast upon humanity, every single one of these things, ladies and germs, is black magic. Now, most people think that's all there is in the world, right? I just, we started this live stream with that. Well, no, no. There are light magicians in the world, and you're listening to one of them right now. Black magic is not a myth, Crowley says. It is a totally unscientific and emotional form of magic, but it does get results of an extremely temporary nature. And that's what we know what's going on right now, is that these wizard spells are wearing off. 
all this boogeyman shit, we're not falling for anymore. In fact, most of us are just being like, as soon as they start doing that shit, we're like, shut the fuck up. Just shut the fuck up. Not listening to it anymore. Okay. Why are those wizard spells breaking, by the way? Why are they breaking? Because everybody's getting smarter with science. <laughs> no, because people are coming back to God. Period. There is a black magic and a, and a light magic. Okay, and I've talked about this before. This is Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy. So when we see, um, and actually we've been watching this the last couple of nights is Harry Potter. My wife has. I've been falling asleep. Um, Harry Potter. In the show, in the movie, Harry Potter, of course, you have these, the uh, sort of, the, the light wizard, Harry Potter, and the dark wizard, Draco Malfoy, who's literally named after the Draco, the dragon, right? The serpent that revolves around the pole star. So he's he's literally a serpent. He comes from Slithering, right? I think his dad is called Lucius, which is a reference to like, you know, light, Lucifer, that sort of thing. Anyway, so um, you have Draco Malfoy there and you have Harry Potter, a light magician and a black magician. And where do they attend? The same school. They attend the same school. Why? What's the message there? It's because magic, anybody can learn magic. Anybody can go and learn. You're doing it all the time. Whether you learned it or not, that's up to you. Okay? But guess what? Magic is a universal thing. It's made, it's made by God. God makes everything in this sort of sense. So there are people with ill intent and good intent that go into the occult, if you will, to the magic, to the mystical. There are people with black, there are black magicians and light magicians. Right? right now, we're living in a world filled with a lot of black magicians. I fully admit that. All right, I fully recognize that. But at the end of the day, there are light magicians. And that's actually what the, the Gnostic and mystic, or what we could say the mystery school tradition was all about, is creating light magicians. That's what it's really all about. Now, it's in a shattered and tattered, torn fucking mess to these days, and hence why the Gnostic Church and Academy had to open its doors. You know, But that is what it is, okay? So, black magician... Light magician, going to the same school. Which, by the way, I'm just going to show this. The symbol for Harry Potter, which is that, like, the circle inside the triangle and that sort of thing. And then that, you know, that. Um, I expanded on it there a little bit just to show. But that's all geometric proportionality. All of it. <laughs> so they, they're giving you a symbol of a circle and a triangle. I wonder what those mean. <laughs> right? And then there's all there's all this proportionality. The only way you can even understand what any of that means is, 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 is if you did what Henrik... Cornelius Agrippa told us to. Well, you're going to have to be studied in what? Mathematics and the mathematics of the stars. And you're going to have to know theology. You're going to have to know the physical, you know, the, the, the philosophical sciences, natural sciences, etc. So this actually comes. So we, we know, by the way, that this is true, that Hogwarts, that you can be a black magician and a light magician. We know it's true that you can either, either work for good or you can work for evil down here. You can either go towards the will of God or go against him. If you're going towards the will of God and you're doing everything to help humanity and help, and, and help teach people and you know show the light and the glory of everything, then you're a light magician. And if you don't, what? You're a dark magician. You're working against God. You're going against his will. We know that this is what happens anyway. This is what happens down here. You know, However good you are with magic, you're either doing one of these things. You're either going away from God or you're going towards him. So we know that the fact that good, that light and dark magic absolutely work down here, okay? We need more light magicians, right? Why do we know this? The Bible tells us this, right? When we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we ate from a tree that gave us the knowledge of the fact that where we were falling into was a place where good and evil had, had equal playing time, if you will. 
you had the ability, not e I don't want to say equal playing time, depending on, of course, you know, um, what age and eon we're living on, you're living, living in, of course, whether that's the golden age or the dark ages, that sort of thing. But in this sense, you have the potentiality to go left or go right there. And that's our whole predicament. That's Genesis telling us that, okay? This comes from uh, Manly Palmer Hall's book. It's Magic and a Treaty on Esoteric Ethics. What a great title for a book. A Treaty on Esoteric Ethics. <laughs> this is exactly what we're talking about. You're going to learn the mystic. You're going to learn the magical, right? You're going to learn the esoteric. And when you do, you better have morality and ethics because otherwise you're going to be taken into what? The dark realms. The, you're going to be strung along by dark magic. So this is the book, Magic, a Treaty on Esoteric Ethics, and he says this about white and black magicians. The white magicians use none of the powers of the animal world in his work, but rather seeks to transmute the poles of the beast within himself into higher and finer qualities. The white or light magician labors entirely with the finer forces of the elemental planes. He's a builder, not a destroyer, and seeks to liberate rather than to dominate his fellow creatures. The white magician has dedicated his soul to the immortal light, while the black magician has sold his soul for mortal glory. The grimoires of the Middle Ages are filled with chants and charms for the invoking of spirits. History is filled with stories of black magicians, but the true student of the occult sciences must have nothing to do with these things other than to protect himself against them. So then we say, well, what should magic be used for? Well, he just told you. It's to educate and illuminate all of humanity. If you're a light magician, that's all you're there to do. And as I just said, if you're doing the great work, you'll do that to the very last breath in your lungs. So what should magic be used for? This is Manly Palmer Hall specifically telling you what you should not use magic for, right? Do not experiment. So this is what he's saying in spiritual research. Do not experiment. In spiritual things, experimentation is usually fatal, and unnumbered students have gone to untimely graves and lunatic asylums, or have become obsessed while they were trying something. In other words, when magicians go into magic, and they try to, you know, make the quote-unquote physical world move before them, and do all of these sort of like, you know, things to actually have physical power over things and over people, that's going to lead you down a dark fucking road. You watch yourself. If that's what you're going into magic and esoteric and mystical for, so you can levitate things and move things and have power over the physical world and therefore over people and things like that, I, I guarantee you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, that's that's a dark, dark path. The power that you seek, and we do seek power, we do seek power. Make no mistake about it. The power that you seek is what the ability to show God in all things has nothing to do with personal power, personal adulation, making yourself better than anybody, putting yourself above anybody, trying to control anybody. All of that is what would be considered black magic. A light magician does everything in his power to help illuminate and educate humanity and help people get on the path towards God Almighty. He says this, Keep away from the phenomenalism. There is nothing in it for the true student. 
I had a guy write me this. I did this podcast. Of, of, I don't know. It was probably a couple of years back now. I want to say, and he sent me this 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 um, video of this guy that was basically a magician. And he was, uh, you know, allegedly like moving stuff, you know, with his hands and stuff like that. To me, I was like, I don't know. I, I you know, just more magic tricks, like tricks of the eye and stuff like that. I don't ex- actually think he had some supernatural quote unquote power or anything like that. But when this guy sent it to me, he even told me he was just like, this is what I want to do. I'm like. Okay, I didn't, I didn't say anything, but I'm just like, good fucking luck. Because you're trying to find power in the physical world, which means you want power over objects and things. That is going to distort your heart and your mind. He goes on to say, I'll say this again, he keep away from phenomenalism. There is nothing in it for the true student. He is not seeking to, get, to gain salvation through his eyes, but through his soul. Phenomenalism never appeals to the higher side of nature, but at most satisfies only inquisitiveness as of old so today the cry is seldom save souls but is usually show us miracles show oh show me a miracle physically move some things with your hands or whatever it is like that and that's what people assume magic is and manly palmer hall saying actually magic is all about what saving souls Responsibility and magic. This is what Manly Palmer Hall says. Temptation is the price that the human race pays for intelligence. Therefore, the serpent of wisdom is also the eternal tempter. When man learns with his growing intelligence of the powers of nature and most of all, of the power that he himself possesses, there comes with that increasing knowledge ever greater responsibility. If man today knew of the God powers that lie dormant within him, He would be the most dangerous creature in the universe, both to himself and to the plan of things. The soul must grow with the knowledge that it gains. Otherwise, the organisms will ultimately destroy each other. I've actually seen this where people, uh, they they learn a lot of stuff, right? They, they They put a lot of information in their head. Right, and they just keep piling it on, and piling it on, and piling it on. This is like a this is the conspiracy theorist or whatever, right? And I always said, look, if and I've said this numerous times, if you go down that rabbi hole, that rabbit hole, right, the darkness of the conspiracies and things like that, and you do not have a um, a, a spiritual backing, you're gonna get lost down that fucking hole, dude. If you grow in your knowledge, you must grow in spirit, you must grow in soul, otherwise it will destroy you. And I've seen it happen. All of this, by the way, is the, in, in one sense, when you're pursuing actual knowledge, what you're pursuing is unveiling God within all things, within, within all things, okay? So when you pursue truth, that is magic, okay? Action and reaction must build strength of character so that, he, so that the will is always strong enough to curb the desires. When this is not the case and desire runs rampant, then, regardless of the position of the organism and the path of unfoldment, a black magician is created. So when we were saying like, hey, when we were like, when I quoted this, uh, um, where is it here? When I when I quoted this uh, Alistair Crowley thing, it's like, why should you st- why should you be listening to Marty Leeds right now? Because you're performing a magical act just by being, and you can't help do it. So if you're gonna do it, you better do it well. Than badly. Otherwise, you might create a black magician. What do we wish to create? That's really what we what we have to ask ourselves in this world. What do we wish we to, to create? We can go right. We can go to the the New Jerusalem, if you will, 
And you can see where that's going to lead us. Slavery, domination, you know, everything, you know, the, the whole bit. I think we can see that. And then we can go to the left. And we can create these realities with the word, as we're going to find. We can create that reality. We can create either one of these realities with our words. But the, uh, the one on the left, we can create it with the word. Okay. What does it mean to manifest? Let's just look at the word manifest. And we say, hey, you know, um, we speak what we, you know, we create what we speak. We manifest our own reality. Look at the word manifest, right? Manifest is um, plainly apprehensible, clear, apparent, evident, proved by direct evidence, but basically clearly revealed to the eye um, or the understanding, open to a viewer comprehension. Of course, when you manifest something, it is in the sense to create it, right? You manifest it. Manifest the, the festus, right? It says man, of course, and man means hand, by the way, in, in etymology, right? Man, that prefix. And then festus, right? But it's also identical to the second element of infest. So when you manifest, what are you doing? Festus is what? It's a solemn, joyous festival. Same as feast, when you feast. Ah, oh, let's have a good time, joyous. Let's have, a, let's have another round of drinks. Let's celebrate. So when you manifest, you're supposed to be what? Bringing into the world a festival, something joyous. That's what Christ tells us to do. Live in joy. He, Christ wants us to manifest a joyous, loving reality. But also, as you know, we can also manifest the opposite. We can infest. We can infest this reality with what? The opposite, the inverse of joy. And that's the power that we have. When we speak into the world, it's all about your intention. It's all about what you intend. Okay? For the word, this is Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So when we talk about the Word of God, the Word of God slices through all the nonsense, all the bullshit, all the noise. It gets right to the core of it. It gets right to your heart and say, what are you intending? What do you intend in this world? You can speak all sorts of shit into this world, but what's the intention behind what you speak? Okay? <clears throat> this is Matthew 5.37, okay? And listen to this. And this is this will get to, and I'm going to talk about my swearing here, my cursing. Oh, Marty says shit too much or whatever, right? This is Matthew 5, 537. But I say unto you, um, uh, 534 to 537. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, for it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king, neither shalt thou swear by the head, because thou canst make one hair black or white, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. What's being said here? Let's let's pick apart what's being said here. It's all about your intention, right? When you say swear, when you say swear, like when you swear, like people they go like Marty curses. In fact, I just had somebody ask me, he's like, could you please not curse where my children listen to this? I'm like, hey, your children should not be listening to this, okay? And, and, I, and I mentioned, I was really nice about it, of course, because I really appreciated her message. But I was like, hey, guess what? It, back, in, back in the day, churches, the, the, the children would have a separate, uh, you know, a sermon or whatever. The churches, you know, the churches, when you went into a church, it was for the adults. And then the children would go in the back room or anything like that. You know why? Because adults need to talk about adult things and children need to talk about children things, right? So in order for your sermon to be meat and not milk, 
right? You have to be able to speak clearly and openly and not be censored and not worried about offending some little children's ear. Adults need to hear adult things. Children need to learn children things. I do not teach your children. I teach adults. Your children should not be listening to this. That's why I have no problem cursing. And I'll even go further as to what cursing actually means here, right? So um, um, the, the, these sermons are meat, not milk, okay? Let me say this again. But I say unto you, swear not at all by heaven or God's throne or earth or Jerusalem or that sort of thing. And he says, swear. But then he goes, make your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes. When he says swear, it, may, it means you're taking a solemn oath, Right? To swear or quote unquote to curse, what is the actual archaic definition of swear? It makes a it's, it means to make a solemn declaration or affirmation by some sacred being or object as a deity or the Bible. So in other words, what you're doing when you swear by something is you're making a solemn oath and declaration to the divine. Okay? And when you're doing this, in this sense, you're invoking God in your magic spell, in your words. It does not mean that it's like, oh, he said fuck. Oh, he said shit. So therefore, he's cursed or cursing things. No, when I when I use a quote-unquote curse word or what's understood as a curse word today, am I invoking God and being like, curse you, person? No, not at all. I'm not, I'm not cursing anyone. I don't do that. Then it says, make your yeas be yeas and your nays be, your yeses be yeses and your noes be noes, in other words, right? So in other words, what do people do? They say yes, but they mean no. And when they, when they lie, they invoke God. They, they tell you one thing, mean the other. And when they do that, they swear by heaven. They swear by earth. They swear by Jerusalem. And that's really what it means to swear a curse. Lying into the world doing it on behalf of God and yeah, and doing it on behalf of God. It is to lie and then bind the oath. It is to lie. This is what to actual curse or swear is. It's to lie, to say something untrue and then bind that oath to the Almighty. Do you know who does that all the time? Jews. This is, by the way, that's the most of the New Testament of the four Gospels is actually Jesus has come to speak directly. He came to preach specifically to the Jews, did he not? We know that's true. And then he then he's saying all this, make your yeses be yeses and your no be noes, and anything other than that comes from evil. What is he saying? You are speaking into the world a lie. You're meaning another thing with the intention in your heart, and you're binding it by God. You're, curse, you're, you're cursed. You're cursing. You're swearing. Has nothing to do with Marty saying shit. It's another thing. If you give your word, let the entire universe fall before you, but let your word stand. If you give your word, let your entire universe fall before you, but let your word stand. Jennifer and I are really learning this, especially lately. Like people sp speak shit all the time. They say things. Oh, I, I'm going to do that for you, and then they, they, you know, then they just lie. They didn't come through. They don't, you know, you, when you give your word, when a man gives his word, it's supposed to be everything. Because when you say you're going to do something, right? When you say, oh, I'm going to do that for you, I promise. And then you never, you never do it. And then you leave the other person hanging and you screw them over. That's you making an oath, if you will, with God, right? And, and, and just lying that you're, you're creating in this sense, uh, you're, you're, um, you're making yourself into, I'll say this, a black magician. That's what you're doing. Okay?
every act is intentional. Every intentional act, I should say this, excuse me, every intentional act is a magical act. And this is what we mean. It's all about your intention. If you have the intention to put hatred into the world and then you lie about it, you're a black magician. If you say, I'm going to do this and it's going to help people and I'm, you know, I want to bring more light into the world and I'm going to educate and I'm going to lift people up, I'm going to lift people's hearts, and then you actually do that, it's kind of retarded when somebody comes along and be like, Marty curses and so therefore I'm not going to listen to him. You know another magic spell that has been cast over people? Gnostic. The word Gnostic. Go, go say Gnostic to a bunch of church churchgoers. They'll, they'll curse me out. They'll literally curse me out. Be like, that guy's going to hell. Right? That sort of shit. And uh, that's the thing. But then they'll listen to like, you know, uh, the Daily Wire or something like that. Think about, think about that. How does that happen? Black magic. Somebody told you Gnostic bad. You didn't know shit about it. You've never heard anything about it. And then you've cast somebody into a pit of hell. Because of what? A word you don't understand. Intention. Let's look at the word intention. Talk about magic. Purpose, design, aim, or object. Will, wish, desire. That which is intended, of course. It means from uh, a stretching out, exertion. Uh, it tunes one attention. Literally to stretch out. See intend. Like you have a, a tendon. What do, what do your tendons do in your arms and your legs? They stretch out, correct? And um, so then it says, then we look at intend. And what does intend mean? Um, direct one's attention to pay attention, give heed, you know, in 10, intention. And then uh, it says there, it's the root of 10, to stretch. To stretch out. When you stretch your arms and you stretch your legs out, because that's what you stretch out, what do you stretch out? 10? Do you stretch out 10? So then we go back to that Ouija board and we say, what were they, what were they telling you about? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 0. To stretch out and intend, actually create into the world. How do you create things? With your hands, right? In this sort of sense. This is Kabbalah. This is what we teach. Once again, talk about a magic spell. Just say the word Kabbalah. Just go into a, go to the flat earth festivals. Go to a flat earth festival and be like, I'm pro Freemasonry. And watch people fucking spiral. The separate, so this is the, the Kabbalistic tree of life. It's the 10 emanations of God. It's 10. This is the Sefer Yetzirah. What is the Sefer Yetzirah, which is the book of creation? Um, <clears throat> Jewish book of creation. It says, while the Sephiroth, the Sephiroth are the 10 emanations of God. So what you intend, you, you stretch out into the world. And when you stretch out, you've got 10 below and 10 above, right? And those, your fingers and your toes represent the 10 emanations of God. This is science. While the Sephiroth, the ten emanations of God, are expressly designated as abstracts, it is said that the letters of the alphabet, of the Hebrew alphabet, if you will, that God drew them, hewed them, combined them, weighed them, interchanged them, and through them produced the whole creation and everything that is destined to come into being. The Sefer Yetzirah is expressly saying right now that the numbers 0, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and, well, they're saying the Hebrew language, but it's, it's really, it's any language is really what it is. That the ten emanations of God and your language are what you are what God uses to create your world. The whole creation and everything that is destined to come into being. 
And then we say, okay, well, what is language? It's supernatural. What are numbers? They're supernatural. Absolutely, by very definition. And so this is something that's pretty much well-known or something that's passed along into when you look at mysticism and stuff like that. Not something that we've covered too much before, but it's a pretty heady idea within mysticism. And that's this idea that we, once again, we, we, uh, you know, we create what we speak, um, but we build creatures. We actually, we actually, in one sense, through the supernatural language and in the metaphysical realms, we either build angels or demons. This comes from, once again, magic. Um, Manly Palmer Hall, we seldom realize that our passions and hates create demonical beings in the superphysical world. But this is one of the secrets of black magic. Every evil, every evil or debased thought or emotion of man helps to build these tearing, rending creatures. The innate qualities of which become, in the hands of those who know, agencies for the destruction of the powers of light. It also seems part of the plan that those who chain these demons shall themselves fall victim to their own slaves. For one after another, the black magicians are sucked in the maelstrom of the astral hell. The lower planes of the astral world are the three hells of, of religion and are the homes of these excess-created beings that battle each other with never-ending fury. So in other words, when you, you, uh, you know, we speak into the world, when we have intentions in our, in our souls, in our heads, in our hearts of literally intending people, it's not saying you can't be angry at somebody. It's not saying you can't be like, oh, that guy's a fucking dick or whatever like that. But if you have an intention in your heart, like that guy's a dick and he needs to suffer. If you intend that, you, you, you think that and you believe that in your heart and you put that into the world, you're helping create demons. How many times have we all in our in our growing up and going through this whole thing have absolutely been black magicians and we didn't even know it? So this is once again what else he says. Um, the ancients claimed that there was a hierarchy of demons for each. Listen to this. This is really important. This this actually gives us an explanation. Number one of angels and demons and things like that. What are the angels? It's well, we'll talk about that in just a second. It's the Christian angelic hierarchy. Right? So we talk about angels and demons. What the? This is what we mean when Christians don't understand what they what any of these terms mean, and so therefore they can't understand their holy book, which means they can't understand their religion, which means they can't understand their path home. And how was this all done? They manipulated the language. They made sure that you didn't understand what any of these things fucking mean. Oh, Marty Swear there, he must be going to hell. He's cursing shit. No. Okay. They don't understand that the angels are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So the ancients claimed that there was a hierarchy of demons. Listen to this. For each of the sins of man, and that in reality, the demons were, in most cases, the incarnated principles of these sins. I said that, the, and I've said this numerous times over the last several years, that the devil in this sense, Satan in this sense, is the confluence or, co or the, 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 the compiling, if you will, of all of the evil thoughts of man into a metaphysical, super physical, if you will, incarnated being. Not, you know, you know that's sort of thing. Super physical being, not incarnated into a body or anything like that. But you know what I'm saying? This is exactly what mystics have said, that your thoughts, and then especially if you speak them into the world, help create demonology. Okay? 
By this, it is understood that the animal excesses of man build on the lower planes of the astral world strange creatures, some resembling debased human beings and others shaped like animals, lizards, snakes, and other reptiles. Anybody, have you ever been into a psychedelic experience? And in that psychedelic experience, you've, you've um, met strange creatures or seen images of debased human beings or shaped like animals or lizards or snakes or reptiles. And, and I'm sure everybody that's listening to this, if you've been in those realms, you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, right, the power of the black magician lies in his ability to direct these soulless creatures. Now, mind you, these soulless creatures and these demons have been built before you even got here. So then you come here. And then these 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 spells, these these wizard spells, they get into your head, and then you align with them. You you know you uh, you know that sort of thing, and then you envelop them into your world. A lot of people do this un completely unbeknownst. Of course, Father, forgive them; they know not what they do. That sort of thing, of course. But this is why, once again, when we started this whole thing. You 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 have you want to you want to survive in the world coming up. The world coming up, the world right now, and the world coming up that they want anyway, that they're desiring of, is uh, run completely by black magicians. You want to fight it? You're going to have to become Harry fucking Potter. <clears throat> the power of the black magician lies in his ability to direct these soulless creatures. The black magicians of this world understand these you know, magic spells or whatever. They understand how they're influenced on humanity. You can even, you know, uh, you know, uh, when that, that Jewish rabbi, that Stephen, whatever his guy's name is, he's like, oh, he's, I really like magic. And, you know, I really like what this, they, they know what they're doing, in other words. They know that these quote unquote demons in the metaphysical or superphysical world exist and they direct them. They speak more of this demonism into the world. They help create it. And then they do everything in the power to, to make you not understand the fact that you're a magician. So we draw down the powers of the angels, if you will, or we create demons. And it's literally all up to us. God gave us this power. You ate from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Now you are as gods, knowing good and evil. And now I'm going to put you down here and you get the choice. You get to either work for the black, you, you, you get to be either the light magician or black magician. And we talk about, we in this sense, we create these demons. We build these creatures with our thoughts, our actions, and our words, right? We cast these demons into a form. This is exactly what casting a spell means. Cat, the assigning of parts in a play, film, or other production, and actor or actors, of course. This is a, all the world's a stage in this sort of sense. But then it also, it's the making of an object by pouring molten metal or other material into a mold. It's the idea of making an object, making a mold. So our words are, create, are casting molds of what? Well, demons, if we allow it. If we go that black magic route. What does it mean to cast? It means what? Definition number one, when we cast a spell, it's what? It's to cause light or shadow to appear on a surface. So when we cast a spell or when spells are cast upon us, it's either a light or a darkness that's being cast upon the, the surface or the, the, of the human being, if you will. And so we have that power. This is what, um, you know, when we talk about casting demons and stuff like that, this is the idea of the egregore. I know a lot of people are talking a lot about this. I don't bring it up too much, but 
you know, the egregore is this idea, it's an esoteric concept representing a non-physical entity because we're dealing in supernatural realms, language, number, all supernatural. Okay, so it's an esoteric concept representing a non-physical entity that arises from the collective thoughts of a distinct group of people. And so this is the idea of the egregore, that these, uh, these in this sense, these demons are created and we can create them, I would say, you know, of course, individually, but then this they actually affect a whole community. Talk about, once again, modern Christianity. Modern Christianity in the churches, most of these churches that you see today are being run by the devil. It doesn't even have to be physically. It's just the devil has completely inundated their minds. By the way, and so that's that's the that whole idea, right? So when we talk about casting a spell, what do you think it means to cast out devils? It's literally the inverse. What do you think Jesus was doing when he was going and quote-unquote performing those miracles? They were magical acts. In order for them to even recognize that Jesus was absolutely the, you know, this, this prof, you know, prophesized king of the Jews and shit like that, they had to send wise men. They had to send magicians. Otherwise, they were not even going to know. By the way, this whole idea that we're talking about right now, how we how we actually create, build creatures, we build demons in our world, that sort of thing, those things actually, in this sense, have a, a non-physical or metaphysical entity. They have a, a, a non-physical or metaphysical life, if you will, right? And, and we have the power to do all this. Human beings, God has given us specifically the power as magicians to do this. This is exactly, exactly to the T of how we explained what the Demiurge is. All these people, and I keep saying this, all these people, it's like, they're, what is the Demiurge and going this way or that way? No, 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 no. The Demiurge tells us exactly what the Demiurge is just by the word itself. It says that we're magicians and that we create this Demiurgic idea in our heads. Demiurge means what? A public or skilled worker, a worker for the people. It's you and I. It's the common people. That's literally what it means. Once again, why I get so damn harsh about all these people that are claiming the Demiurge created everything you see and it's all a trap and shit. This is why I'll just say, shut up, man. You can't even look at a, you can't even look up the etymology of a word. The word itself tells you that guess what? Where does the Demiurge come from? It comes from your mind. The Demiurge is not an omnipotent being. It only exercises power over material, material reality according to forms it did not create. Who created the forms? The Demiurge didn't create anything. God only creates and then gives us the ability to create. There is no metaphysical power that's creating shit in this sort of sense. Who created it? Who, who created the form? Plotinus tells us. Plotinus, when he talked about Platonic idealism, said the demiurge, or the, the noose is, the, is to treat the demiurge, the noose, as the con contemplative faculty within man, which orders the force, the dynamis, into conscious reality. Noose means mind. It's the mind within man that takes, this for, that takes a force, forms it by casting demons into literally a metaphysical realm, and brings it into conscious reality. And then it even says that in this Plotinus claimed to reveal Plato's true meaning of the Demiurge. <clears throat> of or belonging to the people. 
so all this idea of the egregore, the idea of casting a spell, the idea that um, your your words actually create your your reality, that sort of stuff, all of this falls right in line with the concept of the demiurge. Where is the demiurge created? Where is evil created? In the mind of man. We're given that power. Why? Because we're magicians. We just need to understand that we aren't. Think about the flood story. Think about the sin that caused the fall. What caused these things? We already know. The demiurge that was created in the mind of man, the demons that were created in the mind of man that actually gave them form and let them loose into the world as it is happening right now. And by the way, this whole thing, we like solutions to our problems, don't we? That's what we do here at the Gnostic Church Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. We find fucking solutions. And so we're not going to just talk about all the demons of the world and what do we do? We're going to have a solution to this. And of course, I think you probably already know what that solution is. The story of the flood occurs in chapter 6 through 9 of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, 10 generations after the creation of Adam. God saw that the earth was corrupt and filled with violence, and he decided to destroy what he created. And most people look at this and be like, well, God created all this shit, and it's fucked up, and then he destroyed it. God sucks. No, God gave us the ability, gave us the chance to do what? To create, to, to draw down the angels into our world, if you will, and bring the light out within everything, or allow demons to run amok. Well, as we can see, there's been many times throughout history, at least from our myths, that have said, you know, when you talk about the world age doctrine and that sort of shit, where guess what? Demons were running amok in this world, and who created them? We did. This is exactly what it means when it says in Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Principalities and powers, what do they mean? Aren't those angels? What's happening here? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Demons invert God. That's what they do. De people, dark magicians, black magicians, devil worshipers, followers of Judaism, <laughs> what do they do? They invert the word of God. They they take it. Oh, oh, it's a plane. No, it's not. It's a globe. This is what it means. We don't wrestle with things here in flesh and blood. We're battling demons. And a lot of times it's the demons that we created. Ye are gods. It says it in the Old Testament. Jesus repeats it in the New most Christians be like, no, that's your, you know, blah, blah. No, the whole idea of ap apotheosis or theosis or, you know, uh, divinization, not divinization, theosis, apotheosis, there's a bunch of different terms for it, but that's you becoming God. That's you becoming a light magician and actually recognizing your power and actually through your own eyes being able to see God within the world. That's what, it, that's what, that's what, it, you know, that's what it means to become quote unquote a God, unified directly with God again. And you do that here on earth so that when you cross the gates of death you'll you'll know <laughs> you'll know where to go so jesus answered and said unto them is it not written in your law i said you're gods start acting like it i have said here psalms blah, blah, psalms 82 6 i have said you're gods and all of you are children of the most high okay um we're gonna get into the solution to all of this in just a second but um i just want to 
say uh, we're gonna pass the basket. I don't. I usually play some music at this point, but I don't have my guitar, so uh, it just is what it is. So I just want to say thank you to all the people that do stop by the Gnostic Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ and do give me your ear for two hours every Sunday or once a week. I we we really appreciate it. Um, I like to say there's really. Uh, there's not not even really there's no other place on the web or anywhere that you can go that you're going to get the perspective that you that you get here it's just not happening i, I wish there was but it's not happening so so what as i've said what we're doing is very important here and we can't keep going without your support it's just a, it's that simple so if you can Please uh, support. We got uh, PayPal, Venmo, buy me, buy me a coffee, Cash App. You can become a, a good bird over at Subscribestar. And if you'd like, you can also send uh, us some mail. Um, Gnostic Academy. And that's right. You can uh, send, uh, if you want to write a check or anything like that, It is we are incorporated now. So it is Gnostic Academy, 7781 County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. Okay. So now let's talk about the solution to all the black magic in our world, right? Well, the good news is, is there is uh, a solution. And there is a word that actually breaks all these spells. And I mean that very seriously. And it is the most magical thing in existence, this word is. And now you got to remember that when we, just like that rabbi was saying that, like, of course, we're made in the image of God and we must reflect um, ultimately the story of creation. So if God spoke creation into you know god in the sense spoke creation into manifestation or whatever we ultimately have a reflection of doing the same this is like what when you talk about magic once again what is it there's a, a you spell a charm an enchantment an incantation what are these things these are magical formulas to indeed uh, to uh, excuse me a magical formula intended to trigger a magical effect well you got people do this all the time when they go to church they repeat magic, magical formulas in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? They, all these like quote unquote, which, which they, which, of course, if you asked a religious person, would be like, Dude, these are not incantations or spells. Or, yes, they are. Absolutely, they are. That's why you repeat them. That's why. Be, and the reason that you repeat them is because why? Because it, well, if you have the intention behind them, then you're actually putting that light into the world. That's why you go to church. The church, in this sense, is a big gathering of people who are doing magic and for most churches none, none of the people in the pews have any idea that they're what they're doing so an incantation this is all about what sound too an act of uh, art of, or act of enchanting by uttering magical words it's all about words it's all about language it's all about sound singing spells why do you think there's so much singing going on in church and worship music and stuff like that right it is enchantment is the act of magic or witchcraft. Now, once again, a lot of the Christian churches, there are some of these Christian churches that absolutely, when we talk about like the Vatican and we can go like to some of those places, they, they absolutely know everything they're doing. They know that they're bewitching or enchanting their enti the, the, the entirety of, of uh, the, the Catholic followers. They, I mean, the Pope and, and, and his ilk, let's just say this, know exactly what the fuck they're doing. Okay. So what is the magical word that breaks all the other, that, 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 that uh, you know, <clears throat> breaks the spells, if you will? Well, we know. It's, it's Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one word. And it's the word that breaks all magic spells. And I'll show you what I mean. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Of course, John 1, 1. We know that Jesus Christ is the word. And there is a divine power in the name of Jesus, according to Scripture. This is a name that you can use literally to call out Lord Jesus Christ 
to break magic spells. Because what we're going to find out is this is the most magical, powerful word, if you will, the word that black magicians fear. And we're going to say exactly who those black magicians are. We're not going to say it, actually. We're going to let Jesus Christ say it, and we're just going to go ahead and read that New Testament. The scribes and the Pharisees, woe unto you, lawyers. Woe unto you, Sadducees. Where all of those people that were weeping and gnashing of teeth, all of those people that rejected Christ, well, who rejects Christ? We know. It's a, it's a, it's a uh, religion that rejects Christ, and that's Judaism. Judaism is a religion of black magicians. Period. If, you're, if you are a follower of Judaism, and some, some uh, depending on your understanding of your own religion and that sort of stuff, of course, there's different levels of this. I'm not going to say there isn't. But if you're a follower of Judaism and you adhere to that document and you reject Christ, you are a black magician. And what we're going to find out is when you say and you actually put Christ before all things, when you have a conversation with a black magician, they start to shudder. They start to scamper away. So the name of Christ is literally a magical word, a magic spell to break all of the dark magic and black magic that's happening in this world. And this is why we always say we put Christ before all things. Our, our good book tells us to do that, but it just makes sense. Because right now, people want us to get caught up in like, oh, like government and race and politics and language and, and you know, oh, I put race on there twice. Ooh, that's not very good. Anyway, nations and all this other stuff, right? All of that stuff plays second fiddle as we know to what? God Almighty. We know it now. In fact, part of the, part of the black magic is to keep us caught up in spells. It's a democracy. Wait, no, aren't we a republic? Oh, it was like, oh, I, I have a problem with, uh, you know, this thing here. Oh, you must be a part of the, 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 the religious right or you're part of that retarded left. That's all magic spells to keep you in what? Something that's lower than the state that you're supposed to be in. And that's the state of being, uh, of, of understanding God Almighty within all things. A black magician comes along and tries to reduce it to what? Uh, your beliefs in government or your beliefs in race or your beliefs in politics. That's exactly what happens. That's all wordcraft and, and, and word spells. You're spellbound by, by, this, by this stuff. The name of Jesus breaks the spells. He's the spellbreaker. That's exactly what he is. He's the healer of all things. And he came and he absolutely called out the black magicians that claimed that you could sell enlightenment in a temple. Come on over. I got a dub to sell you. It's $666.66. You can make three payments. So when you say the name of Christ to black magicians or people who are possessed, um, it has an unbelievable power. And... Um, you can see it happen, the power even, in, of you. even in movies. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. <laughs> so you guys know that that's The Exorcist, and it's from William Friedkin, and he is, of course, a Jewish man who absolutely put this young girl—I forget what her name is—but through absolute horror, like she, she ended up having like 
serious psychological and mental issues the rest of her life because of what this guy did to her, this Jewish man did to her while they were filming this. Like, he beat the shit out of her and tied her to a bed. And he didn't give a shit. He's a black magician. He's actually using um, the medium, one of the mediums that you can use, magical medium called film, to, uh, you know, <laughs> distort the minds of, re- you know, of, of uh, uh, distort the minds of the goyim, if you will. Um, and that's exactly how he treated that little girl as a, a piece of cattle, just a, or a piece, you know, just a, a cattle just used and abused her. And so when you say the power of Christ compels you, it's there, it's literally Christ is an incantation that in this sense that breaks spells. The name itself will send Jews running for the fucking hills. And this is why it says all over scripture, and I've never heard a Christian talk about it. Not surprising. Why does it say that everything we are to do in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ? We baptize, we pray, we do we do all of this stuff, right? Right? In the name of Lord Jesus Christ. So well, well, I mean, doesn't that mean that there's something powerful? There, there's something special going on with the name of Lord Jesus Christ. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you speak all the same thing there be no divisions among you. Once again, look at modern day Christianity. There's, there's supposed to be no divisions among us. And yet what do you have? Denominationalism. How did that happen? Because people don't know. I should say this. Christians, I'll say it again. Christians don't know what the fuck they're reading. They have been mind spelled to think that their Bible says something else. You're justified in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. There's something special about his name. Give thanks always in the name. Every knee should bow to the name. Do all things in the name of Jesus Christ. You'll have life through what? His name. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name. In the name of Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You can, if you're, Literally, if you're, you know, crippled in this sense, you know, this is, of course, spiritually speaking, you can rise up and walk. Then it says this, be it known to, well, let's say, well, let's read this. Let's read this slow. Acts 4.10, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom he crucified, whom he even by the office Wait a second, all the people in Israel are supposed to be bound to the name of Jesus? Are all the people in Israel that are Jews, are they bound to the name of Jesus? No. No, no, no. They're denying him. And they got all the Christian churches because they don't understand what Israel means in the Bible to follow this nonsense. You'll have life through what? The name of Jesus Christ. It's the word that breaks all magic spells. I forget what website this comes from. I should have given a credit, so I apologize. But it says here, uh, among the spiritual weapons in our arsenal, there are none as powerful as the holy name of Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual weapon. We live in a magical world. You're magicians. We're, a, we're, we're working against black magicians who are absolutely spellcasting and you know spellbinding all of humanity. And there's a way out of this. There's a way to break those spells. The saints have healed the sick, conquered temptation, demolished heresies, driven away demons, and converted sinners by invoking what? His name. 
It is the name that signifies our hope and salvation. In fact, Jesus is the most powerful name in heaven and earth. And scripture tells us that at the name of Jesus, every, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is, is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. When you, when you present that to somebody who doesn't see Jesus Christ as the Lord, as it doesn't see um, Jesus Christ as Lord and he gives glory to the Father. When you go up to somebody, especially of a black magician who's of a religion called Judaism and say, hey, guess what? Um, do you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord? And they say, no, 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 don't do that. Well, then you realize, oh, who am I dealing with here? Oh, that's a black magician. This is what St. Bernard of Clairvaux had to say. Not but the name of Jesus says St. Bernard of Clairvaux, can restrain the impulse of anger, repress the swelling of pride, cure the wound of envy, bridle the onslaught of luxury, extinguish the flame of carnal desire, can temper avarice, and put to flight impure and ignoble thoughts. You put to flight impure and ignoble thoughts. You have to get rid of those impure and ignoble thoughts because if you hang on to them, then guess what? You're going to start intending those. You're going to start speaking that to the world. You're going to be like, oh, fuck that guy, you know? And 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 abs, you know, and absolutely mean and absolutely curse that person. Since the earliest centuries of the church, the name of Jesus has been invoked to drive out demons and heal the sick. But above all, it has been called upon to conquer sin, overcome temptation, and grow in holiness. You mean the great work? In fact, many of the saints become saints by listen to this, guys. This is magic. In fact, many of the saints become saints by doing nothing else but calling on the name of Jesus, either by ceaselessly repeating his name or by praying a prayer such as, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. It reminds me of that, um, I don't know if you guys know this, this song. It's by Protestant reformer Martin Luther, whose last book was called On the Jews and Their Lies. Just a little side note. Martin Luther, author of, <laughs> author of On the Jews and Their Lies, wrote a song called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It's one of the best-known hymns, and it was allegedly written between 1527 and 1529, something like that. And this is what this hymn says. It says, Though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God has willed his, tr his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little world, oh, excuse me, one little word shall fell him. One little word shall fell this darkness grim, this prince of darkness grim. That word, above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gift are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. There is a one little word that falls the devil, that can take the devil down, that can take all those demons that you may have even, even created or that have been created all around you, that you're falling victim to, you know, you know, whatever, listening to, letting it tickle your ear. There's one word, the word, that can make that motherfucker fall. And that's the word above all earthly powers. That's the spellbreaker, Lord Jesus Christ. And watch it, it'll work. St. John Climacus, is how you say that? Listen to this. 
flog your enemies with the name of Jesus. Once again, not not the cross or anything like they're like you know no, no literally the name. Why? Because because these people in the past, especially Martin Luther, absolutely knew the power of magic. Absolutely knew what the esoteric sciences were all about. Absolutely knew how the absolutely knew how the occult works, and absolutely absolutely knew the power of language, the metaphysical power of language. There's no question about it. Okay. Flog your enemies with the name of Jesus, for there is no weapon more powerful in heaven and on earth. So when we talk about magic spells, this is something that we covered. Uh, we didn't talk about magic last week or whatever, but this is something we are currently, um, uh, the world is witnessing right now, is the absolute murdering of everyone in the Gaza Strip. And that's what's happening with the power of the United States. That's what's happening. It's genocide. It's murder. It's black magic working in the world like you know, we've never seen in one sense, right? And the only way that this happens, the only way that we can have Christian churches across the world being like, yes, this is what needs to happen pro-Israel, is because they don't understand what they're reading. And I've said this. I already said it this week. I said it last week. I'll say it every week if I have to. Am I going to offend you? Don't give a shit. Don't care. You Christians have no idea what you're reading. And the, and because you have been spellbound, you've been spellcrafted, because you are adhering and, and reading and following a book that you don't understand, because you don't understand it, because you have been wrapped up in, 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 in word trickery, you will go along and be like, yes, we need to totally, the Jews are our people and we need to totally, you know, wipe out an entire group of people, ethnically cleanse an entire area. And there are Christian churches that are cheering this on because they think that the Bible says that that's cool. That's how much spellcraft and wizardry is happening. So all you people that are ripping on Christians right now as if that's what Christianity is about. You're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. You're obviously not reading the Bible either or having any understanding what it means. Right? Okay, so let's just read once again what I just read from Acts 4.10. Um, the land of Israel, by the way, is, is considered by Jews uh, to be the promised land. Um, by the way, if you don't understand what Israel means, in this sense, Israel is like all of earth. You know what the Greater Israel Project is? Do you think it's just expanding the borders of Israel just a, a little into Kuwait or whatever, you know, whatever, by their neighboring countries? No, no, no. The Greater Israel Project is all of fucking earth if you haven't figured it out. The land of Israel, which was considered by Jews to be the promised land, was the place where Jewish identity was allegedly formed, blah, 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 blah. This is Acts 4.10. So all these Christian churches that are like, yes, we need to support Israel. Israel is full of uh, Jewish people who all reject Christ. Acts 4.10 says, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom he crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. All the people in Israel are supposed to be bowing to the name of Jesus Christ according to the New Testament. And you have Christian churches being like, slaughter all of those Palestinians because it's Israel's land. And in that land of Israel, they're all telling Jesus to go fuck himself. How was that done? How did this happen? Magic. Black magic. That's how it happened. Christians have been spellbound by their own book. Literally bound their consciousness, their heart, 
their connection to Christ Almighty has been bound through word trickery and spelling. They actually think that the good book says to go support this. Christian evangelicals have emerged as the foremost allies of the Jewish people in general and the state of Israel in particular. <laughs> then this says, Anyone who has read the Christian Bible will no doubt be alarmed by the demonization of the Jewish people that have served for many centuries to enforce anti-Semitic acts and attitudes practiced through Christendom. There's a whole history of the Christian religion having problems with Jews. And then it's written, you know, like all throughout the whole freaking New Testament. And how did we get in this position today? Just as I said, Christians don't know what they're reading. And because they've been spellbound and spellcraft, spellcrafted, if you will, now what do we get? Genocide, ethnic cleansing, and Christian churches cheering it the fuck on. How does this happen? Oh, well, what's another magic word? Abracadabra. Lord Jesus Christ. They're all magic words. You know what another magic word is? Anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism. The working definition of anti-Semitism. Wow, it must be a Black's Law Dictionary thing. They just keep changing it. <laughs> the working definition of anti-Semitism is a non-legally binding statement on what anti-Semitism is. It's non-legal. It literally says it in Wikipedia. This is not legally binding. It's, it's a certain perception of Jews which may have expressed as hatred towards Jews. We don't express hatred. We call your shit out because you're demonic and you're black magicians and your father is of the devil who was a liar and a murderer from the beginning and he abode not in truth. We'll call you that shit out all day long. You're never going to shut me up for saying that. I don't do that out of hate because I know that the intention in my heart is what is important. I'm going to say, look, what you're doing is disgusting and sick and you and the and justice needs to be served for the fucking wicked crimes that you have committed upon humanity. Am I saying that out of hate? No. No, they got you to love Judaism. They got you to love black magicians. They got you to cheer on the devil himself. And one of the ways they did that was through one word, hyphenated word, anti-Semitism. You're not anti-Semite, are you? doesn't even mean that. As we know, Semitism is a branch of language. We're pro-Semitic here at the Gnostic Church and Academy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Love Aramaic, love Hebrew. Oh, love, you know, it's like <laughs> Arabic, we're, we're big fans. Pro-language we are, pro-Semitic we are at the Gnostic Church. No holds barred. This literally comes from the Jerusalem Post. This is a bunch of Jews, and you can you know read several articles like this, right? Where it'd be like, is the New Testament anti-Semitic? And then they'll just be like, yes. It's absolutely anti-Semitic. <laughs> For some reason, the Christians don't understand that because Christians, once again, are spellbound. They're under a magic spell right now. A dark, black, wicked, wicked magic spell that's literally telling them that the murdering of an entire people is okie dokie. Sounds good. It's what Jesus would want. So meanwhile, while you throw a word Gnostic out and all the Christians shit their pants, because that's what they do. It's, it's a metaphysical thing. It's not actually what they do, but in, in, in a metaphysical sense, and <laughs> they shit their pants. If you say Gnostic, yet this is what Jews think about your Savior. This is Ben Shapiro on the Joe Rogan Experience. You know, from, from a Jewish point of view, where we don't believe in the divinity of Christ, I right. think that the, there you can make an argument that the 
the Gospels, which were written. He was just a signific- prophet. In, right? signific- no, no, no. We don't I even believe he was a prophet. What do you think he was? What do you guys I, think I, he I was? I mean, I, what, I, what do I think he was historically? I think he was a Jew who tried to lead a revolt against the Romans and got killed for his trouble, just like a lot of other Jews at that time who were crucified mm. for trying to lead revolts against the Romans and got killed for their trouble. So he became legend in story, and it became a bigger and bigger deal as time yeah, went on. Yeah, he had a group of followers, and then mm. that gradually grew, and then Do you think there he was, was resurrected? A, no, that's not, that's not a... A Jewish belief. Okay, I just want to check. Yeah, no, we're, we're not into <laughs> you know, we're not into miracle stories. No, that's that's no? Not, no. You don't have any miracles. No, not 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 by Jesus. Right? No? They're they're ones the in the God Old ones? Testament. Yeah, you've got Moses splitting the sea and all that. What do you think happened there? What do I think happened there? Yeah. Well, I'll go with the Maimonidean explanation that there was. A, I mean, it says in the Bible there was a strong east wind. Uh, so there's a naturalistic explanation for a physical phenomenon. That makes sense. I mean, that's so, that's what Maimonides is constantly trying to do is read. So there you go. No, he's not a prophet. No, no, no. The very people, the, the, an entire country of people that reject Christ. And Christian Christian churches all around would be like, yeah. And then you have a Jew, Ben Shapiro, going on Joe Rogan, literally being like, no, he's not even a prophet. No, he's just another Jew. That was, that was no, no, actually, Ben, we, we know that what the publicans were. The publicans were the actual Jewish tax collectors that worked with the Roman Empire. So you say, ah, oh, the Roman or the Jews that were trying to, you know, fight the Roman Empire at the time, and then they got killed for Israel. No, there, as far as we could tell, no, that actually the Jews were working with the Roman Empire, collecting taxes, black magicians, if you will, collecting taxes on people, and of course, taxes. Let's get back to that whole thing. <laughs> more spellcraft and wizardry. Shit, how long has this been going on, guys? So we're in the position we're in right now because of black. Magic. So the classic Drake meme, what Western culture was, what Western culture should be based on, the moralities and ethics and doctrine of Christ, and what Western culture has become today, essentially, especially in America here, America here, it's an entire uh, nation that has been brought up by Hollywood, Jewish propaganda. And the only way that this could ever happen, the only way that this could ever happen is if you what? Went and perverted the doctrine of Christ, manipulated the words of the Bible. Now let's talk about all the English translations of the Bible and how I rail against them. I say we're King James. Why do I do that? Because I recognize that whether whether they knew it or not, whether the people that reprinted these Bibles and rewrote them or not, whether they knew or not, what they were engaging in was black magic. You see this all the time. English is so stupid. Why is English so annoying? English is the dumbest, most confusing language on the planet. Fact, last live stream that I did on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, I had a Jewish woman, as far as I can tell, she was a woman, that was in there, and she, she I wish I had the screenshot, I just deleted it, because I was like, you gotta get out of here. But she basically, not even basically, she said, well, Hebrew is a pure language. English is not, English is for those goyim. English, English is for those uh, the, the cattle that we have spellbound with our black magic. English is a stupid language. That's not what we say at the Nazi Church and Academy of Lord Jesus Christ. We say that English is just as sacred as any other language. We don't, just as we see this, the, the small spark of, you know, that divinity within all peoples, all peoples, we see the same thing as with languages. Languages are like flowers. There's a bunch of different flowers. Are they, they all come from the same source and they're all beautiful in their own right. But the, the, the Hebrew lady, and I've actually ha- experienced this, by the way, numerous times over the years, numerous times over the years, 
where somebody from uh, a Jewish person was saying, oh, well, Hebrew is a sacred language. Yours is not. Well, let me just say this with the intention of love in my heart, full intention with uh, love in my heart. You can go fuck yourself. English is absolutely sacred. And that's what we teach here. And I'll tell you even why. So when we look at Jesus Christ being this word that breaks all spells, when you actually understand what Christ is all about, actually understand the power, actually understand magic, actually understand what you're doing, it breaks spells. Because if you came up to Ben Shapiro and and and, and you know with the with the knowledge of you know with all of this understanding your your magical powers and that ye are gods and that all of that sort of stuff, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh well, uh, you know, Lord Jesus Christ, no, 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 we're not listening to anything you have to say. I, I don't give a shit what you have to say. Wait, he's not a prophet. I don't care, Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, as far as we understand, throughout history, when people actually start speaking that into the world, that's what makes cha- that's what makes changes. That's what actually will. In this sense, it is this. He is the savior of the world, guys. What the fuck do you think that means? Our world needs saving right now, doesn't it? And what do we need to bring back into the world? Truth, light. We need to speak. Speak that truth into the world and create it. This notion of Christ being the 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 literally the magic spell in this sort of sense, the absolute power that you need to 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 bring into your life to ward off evil is is actually shown to us in all sorts of ways. And I'm gonna give you one way it's shown to us through pop culture mediums and things like that. It's the vampire. It's the vampire. Uh, this is Nosferatu, of course. Um you know, we when we look at the the attributes of the vampire, right? What is the and this actually came from 4chan, but right, it's uh, Bella Lugosia. I, I think that's how you say his name, Bella Lugosi, um, like one of the first original vampires besides Nosferatu. But look at the attributes of the vampire, and then look at all the ways that you ward off the vampire. We'll get into that. So the vampire has clearly a very long nose. There, he's a rich stranger. He hates Christ and he hates the crucifix. He lives in filth and dark. He's rich. <laughs> He's Eastern European. He corrupts women and he drinks blood. And then you can even see on this old film here that vampire has a star of Mogan David, right? The star of David on, on his amulet there, his pendant there. And so what does the vampire represent? A black magician. It, like in this sense... Just as Jesus cursed the fig tree forever, what are vampires? Cursed forever. Huh. Are we starting to make some connections? So then we see this vampire, and it's very clearly, and it's even been known to be a representation of Jews. The long nose and everything with Nosferatu, you can even see there. Creepy as fuck. 1922 saw the first cinematic meeting of the concepts of the vampire and the Jew. Nosferatu, the first silent vampire film, was inspired by the book Dracula that had been published two decades earlier. Count Orlock, the film's main character, had the face of a mouse with a curved nose and greedy little eyes that lusted hungrily after young, fair-haired Aryan women. Literally, he was there to corrupt women. To drink your blood and corrupt women. Once again, so... We can even see that this, and this actually comes from a comment on one of the videos. So I, I, once again, I'm sorry I didn't give credit to this person, but it's it's very poignant point that the vampire is an inversion of Christianity. 
in that as Christ sacrificed himself so that we may live forever, the vampire sacrifices others so that he may live forever. It's a complete inversion. Jesus sacrificed himself so that, you know, that we could live forever. And the vampire sucks the life force out of other people so that he can live forever in this sense, right? You can even see this is an old pic of a vampire. And what does it look like? Well, number one, it's a clearly a Jewish figure. He's even got a long nose there. There's no question that this is anti-thematic. <laughs> Wait, I don't think this has nothing to do with language. Anyway, and then you can even see what does he have there? He's got a mask on. In, in the sense that he masks himself in society, he acts like he's part of the goy, and then, but really what's behind him is, is this demonic figure. And so this notion of Jesus Christ being the word that breaks all magic spells, the power behind Christ in this sort of sense, to create our reality in which our reality is full of light and love and truth and promise and all of that sort of thing, right? That, um, that word that breaks the, you know, that, that idea has been, is, is in the, the, the idea of the vampire, is in the myth of the vampire. How do you ward off the vampire? The crucifix. By the, may the power of Christ compel you. This is what makes the vampire shiver in his drawers. It's what, this is what makes the vampire, that's the fig tree, wither away. Ah. Hates the crucifix. In this sense, right, what does that represent? It's the word. It's the word that breaks the magic spell. Does it every time. A whole mythos created to help you understand the power of the magical word that is Lord Jesus Christ. If Jesus is not real, why do vampires fear the cross? And by the way, the film, Ex the Ex the film Exorcist was made by a Jewish man. And in that film, we'll show another clip here, they're showing that how the devil is, you know, taken out of this woman is, you know, these these priests come and what do they do? The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. That's how you that's how you cast demons out. You know, even maybe the ones that you even cast in your head, that's how you cast them out. So what's the greatest magic trick? What's the one of the most, and you even heard the, the rabbi say that when we started this whole live stream, what is the one of the most common magic tricks that you'll see? It's pulling a rabbit out of your hat. It's the classic one. It's like, it's like the archetype, right? It's the trope or whatever I say. I have wrong word. But anyway, you point. the point is this. Like, what's a magic trick? Pulling a rabbit out of his hat. What do you say? Abracadabra? Like this is, right? So let's look at the symbolism of pulling a rabbit out of your hat. The most famous magic trick known across the land. Just like abracadabra. Say, what's the magic word? Abracadabra. What's a magic trick? Pulling a rabbit out of your hat. Everybody on board with that? I think I think we can all, all agree. When I, when I was saying that our language is sacred is that our language actually is sacred and gives us all sorts of clues. To, to unveil this truth, okay? It's not a coincidence that the word rabbit and rabbi are so close. 
This is once again, well, it's not this way in Hebrew or not. This way. It doesn't matter. We're talking about English here. We're saying our language is sacred. Our saying, our, we're saying that whoever created our language or crafted it or, or decided upon it or received it or whatever it is, that there were absolutely clues about the uh, the nature of our reality, the nature of how magic plays out in reality, the, the nature of Judaism, our connection to God. These are all things that we teach all the time that are encoded ma not only mathematically, but also phonetically and mystically in our language. We do it ad nauseum, okay? So when I make this connection here, it's like rabbit and rabbi. I'm absolutely saying there's a connection here. Why? Because the la our language tells us this. It's just the addition of a T. So what's a rabbit? I think we all know it's a mammal of the family. You know, it's got long ears, long hind legs, and short fluffy tail. And what's a rabbi? Well, it's a Jewish scholar or teacher. Um, you know, we get that, right? The Jewish congregation. So this is me saying that God has an amazing sense of humor, number one. <laughs> God has an amazing sense of humor. But, and this is what we say, like, so when we say there's a rabbit and a rabbi and that those are related, and I'll show you why in just a second here, but this is what you'll actually see this in all sorts of different places in um, pop culture. These are all little, like, um, mystical or magical ways that these people have put these things into film and media to literally get you, in one sense, either mock it or get you hip to what's going on here so just so you know there is an incantation an enchantment that's been known in britain and north america and it's this quote-unquote superstition if you will where somebody will repeat a magic phrase and the magic phrase is rabbit 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 you say rabbit three different times of course you know like the in the um uh what is it the matrix movies that sort of thing of course you keep calm and follow the white rabbit of course rabbit's white it's pure that sort of thing, right? And then, of course, you have, you know, going down the rabbit hole. We always, you know, we always hear about this, Alice in Wonderland and that sort of stuff. And, of course, when we talk about rabbis and rabbits and, you know, pulling the rabbit out of your head is a magical act. Of course, this is when we say we go down the rabbi hole. This is like, that's a joke we literally just made like a couple weeks, last couple weeks. You go down the rabbi hole and you find it's every Stein, Singelberg, Timowitz. There's just, there's just, at this point, there's just no getting around it, Okay. And it's something we're going to have to deal with. And you're going to have to break these magic spells in this world. Oh, you're going to need some weaponry. You're going to need some spiritual weaponry. Good thing you got it. Whew. So we see we go down the rabbit hole. And the and the rabbit in this sense, in one sense, is literally talking about a, a rabbi in this sort of sense, right? So let's talk about pulling the rabbit out of your hat. Pulling a rabbit out of your hat. What is what? What do you put on your hat when you put a hat on your head? What is the symbolism of the the hat? Well, it's the head, obviously. You put it on your head, duh. And what's on your head? In the zodiacal makeup of man, in the anthropocosm, right? What is that? That's the zodiac man. That's the Aries is right. It's Aries is the head. Sorry, I'm stumbling over my words here. So you got a hat that you put on your head. Aries is the head, and that's the lamb. That's the ram of God. Okay. Even Aries, of course, it's the symbol. It's supposed to be the symbol of like the. Um, the, you know, the ram's horns and that sort of thing, but it even kind of looks like, you know, bunny ears in that sort of sense, right? And so what is Aries? It's during springtime. It's when things are springing up, it's sprouting up. And then, of course, you see that this, quote, unquote, birth of the year in springtime when everything is coming back, is coming back to life and, let, you know, the, the sun is getting longer in its days and all that sort of shit. That is related to the top of your head. That's related to the Aries, right? And so that's always related to, obviously, this this ascent up in the, into your soul up to the high place, Right. So then we realize that's a symbol of enlightenment, okay? Well, rabbits have long been associated with springtime since ancient times. It is believed that a symbol of the Anglo-Saxon goddess of spring, oyster, Easter, whatever, was the hare. It was a bunny, okay? Um, because of their fertility, bunnies are associated with spring and rebirth. 
hence their connection with Easter. Of course, we have the Easter Bunny. And when do you celebrate this? Right after, of course, the spring equinox, right? Within a month or whatever it is of the spring equinox, right? And um, and so we we have this idea of the, 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 the rabbit pulling out of the hat, and the hat is what Aries. Okay, so just so you know, there is some cosmology here. Um, if you actually look, so in the, the yellow line there, that is the ecliptic. And of course, that's where the sun is, you know, heading up that way, right? You get, you know, March, April, May, June, that sort of thing. So there's Aries, there's the lamb, there's the ram. Okay. And then you just keep going and just up there is what? Lapis. And Lapis is, is, is a constellation lying just south of the celestial equator. It's named for Latin, for hair. It's a rabbit. It's a rabbit. So we have this idea that why is Easter... Why is there a rabbit celebrated with Easter? Easter, isn't that supposed to be, you know, or, or like that whole time, right? The Old Testament Passover, Easter, that sort of thing, blah, blah, blah. Jesus, you know, obviously the resurrection of Jesus, that whole bit. We, we, don't, we don't need to go over that here, right? But then we have this idea of like in mythology and, you know, this whole thing is like, why is there a bunny related to Easter? Like, what the fuck is going on here, right? Well, there's, there's cosmology behind that. But there's also, because we're talking about magic here and pulling the rabbit out of your hat, there's also some deep, deep, magical symbolism behind this um when we talk about pulling a rabbit out of your hat think about what you do here with your hand you take a magic wand you tap the hat that was on the aries your head and then you pull a rabbit out of it and you do this by saying uh, oh a magical spell it's a word it's an incantation it's an enchantment it's a that's a that sort of thing right so with your hand you take a magic wand you tap it on the hat and then you say an incantation you say abracadabra right so what is the symbolism here obviously the incantation is the mouth mouth is pie by the way there's that the hand of course we all know the symbolism of the hand the intention the intention to stretch forth the ten Literally what the word is etymologically. What is the magic wand? We've talked about this numerous times. When we talk about that spinal column, right? That that energy that goes up the spinal column up to the Aries, the, the symbol, the symbol of the scepter, the wand, the staff, the, the shepherd's crook or cane, that sort of thing, all of that, you know, Moses, the serpent rising up, the, the staff, the cross in the wilderness, the whole bit, all of that is a representation of your energy going up your spinal column all the way up to what? Your Aries, where you put your hat on, where you're going to pull the rabbit out of. Right? And so when we talk about pulling a rabbit out of your hat and we say, okay, we're going we're gonna to do light magic, what, 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 are we, what are we doing? Well, we're pulling out of our head, all of that black magic, all of the spells and the charms, all the wizardry, all the propaganda, all the bullshit that we've been feeding and putting into our head all of this time that has been created by people who spend full time trying to get us shackled to demons and literally creating demons because they know the power of their own words and their own the power of their own, you know, the, the, in this sense, your gods. They know that power and they use it against all of us. And so you can pull, you can perform the, the greatest magic trick ever. And you can do it with one thing, one thing only, and that's Lord Jesus Christ. And so I would say, you know, I say, go ahead, perform a magic trick. Pull a rabbi out of your head. Say abracadabra. <laughs> or say the word. 
the word that breaks all magic spells, the spell breaker, Lord Jesus Christ. You take your hand and that wand and tap that hat and pull that damn rabbi out of your head. And you know what you're going to replace that with? The spell breaker. Lord Jesus Christ. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you! 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 Notice they do that with holy water, too. He's literally sprinkling holy water on him. So we talked about just the last few live streams or whatever about the fig tree. About how the fig tree is symbolic of Israel. And how Jesus came along. And what's the story? There was a fig tree. It wasn't producing any good fruit anymore. And Jesus looked at that fig tree and he's like, this thing's fucked for eternity. It's, it doesn't exactly say that in the Bible. That's paraphrasing. But he's like, this thing's screwed. So I'm going to come along and I'm going to curse it forever. Anything that comes from this wicked, demoralized, dilapidated, falling apart fig tree is going to be black magic. This shit is cursed forever. The only thing that you're going to get out of this is people who cast demons into your world. How did he do that? It even says in the Bible, I don't have the verse here, but you can go read it. It says something to the effect of he spoke and immediately as soon as he spoke, as soon as he, as soon as he put into the world his intention, it happened. And what happened to that fig tree? What happened to, what, 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 is, what is being said here? Well, that fig tree, you know, obviously was cursed for eternity and that fig tree represents Judaism. Jesus performed a magical act there. That's exactly what he did. So we have a current divine directive today in our world. We have a divine directive. And that is to become the light worker. That is to, be, to, that is to recognize the magical world that we're in, the supernatural things that we deal with all the time, language, number, all that stuff. Uh, learn to harness our powers and use them for one thing and one thing only. And that is the power of good, the power of light, the power of truth, Lord Jesus Christ. In this day and age, the light must shine forth and the rulership of demons must be terminated, Manly Palmer Hall says. A large percentage of man's spiritual, intellectual, and physical affairs are today in the hands of elementals, brainless creatures, and their masters, the black magicians, whose minds are a den of iniquity. Out of this world must come a few who with hearts and souls undefiled will keep the light burning, that the powers of darkness shall not triumph. The false dominion of demons must fall, and with it the goat of Mendes, the prince Baphomet of this world. The false light and the false darkness must pass away, that the light of truth and the true darkness may come into its own. He talks about the true, the true darkness is a reference to something he said earlier about how there's the darkness of that's just, you know, there's darkness which is evil and there's just the dark of night is what he's mentioning there. He goes on to say this. The false dominions of demons must, well, I'm sorry, from the passions of man, there pour into the world streams of living death. 
From the hearts and mouths of men, sin and death are launched into being. These will go forth slaying and to be slain, bringing down upon civilization the curse of the gods. Black magic will sink our continent, as it has those that have gone before it, for it launches upon us the furies of the elements and the holocausts of earth. Only one procedure can prevent this cataclysm. These demons must be starved. All passion must be transmuted into compassion, and the black magician must be brought into the light of truth, that the law may be filled. And how does Manly Palmer Hall end this book and tell you how to do that? Just read it. Go thou and labor in the vineyard in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. That's how he ends that book. It's so funny that people claim, they're all, they, they, she, Masons worship Baphomet. And then you can literally read where he's like, Baphomet is the Prince of Darkness and Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior and you invoke his name in order to cast out the black magicians of this world. And that's what we need to do. We need to understand the power of our words. We need to understand the power of our intention. We need to understand the power that we have, that we're using all the time. And we need to harness that power with the thoughts and purity and love of God Almighty. There's no other way. Nothing else in this world will fix what's going on in this world. Nothing else. Mark my words. And if you embrace that and align with that, you align with that way, that truth in the life, you're going to get your wings and you're going to fly up to heaven because you'll be a good bird. Okay? You'll be a good bird. All right. Thank you all much. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, if you would like to become a good bird, you can become a good bird at Phoenix. You can become at Subscribestar. You can become a good bird. You have to go to the site. And you can become a Phoenix bird. You can become an Aquila bird. You can become a Cygnus bird. You can become Tommy the Pima bird. That's right, Tommy. Tommy. And if you'd like to support the fine work we do, um, Gnostic Academy, 7781 County Road, 3440 Mountain View, Missouri, 65548. And, of course, we do donations with PayPal, uh, buy me a copy, cash app, Venmo, that sort of thing. Um, I want to say thank you to Content Safe for getting us on Odyssey and BitChute and uh, all these places that you put us up on the interwebs. We appreciate it. And you can also get this at the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac app. That's right. We're on the Flat Earth app. There's Sunday sermons there. You can go there and check out the sermons. That's awesome. So I also want to say thank you to some of the people that donated. And if we missed your donation, please let us know and we'll... Um, We'll say it the next Sunday because I, I think I forgot some people last Sunday. So I just want to say thank you. Robert Questenberry, Cody Van Dyke, Jennifer McLaughlin, Sunday Service, thank you. Javier Mujica, thank you so much. Someone bought three coffees. Thank you, someone. Aurorian, three coffees. I'm wearing a pie shirt under my 2023 Flattoberfest one. God bless you both. Awesome, man. Hope you all had fun at Flattoberfest. Uh, I heard it was a pretty good time, so that's cool. Um, thank you for today's service. Christina Bang says, and uh, Ray B., Jared Poole, Thunder Chicken, Lee, what's up, my brother? John Vina, Alicia Crawford, Daniel Hagar, J.M. Grassi, thank you so much. And then we had some PayPal, uh, Interverse, Roland Peter, thank you so much. Adam Kazaka, I can never say your name, Adam. It's good to see you, Adam. Uh, Eugene Jocks, Jeremy Hines, thank you so much. Happy rising, my friends. I'm not working at the moment, so just a temporary reduction until I start working. Hey, man, if you support it all, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. William Christie. Oh, Morales, Morales, Aloisa, Alisa Morales, I think is how you say that. I'm sorry if I'm saying that incorrectly. Paul D., Nils Album, Lawrence J. Latempio, wishing you guys good times ahead. Love the property and plans peaceably assembled. Thank you so much, Darren Radfelder, Martin Weir, and Derek Holloway. Thank you so much for the ongoing support, guys. We can't do it without you. 
Um, if you want to support the work, we do have, oh, I don't have that graphic. It doesn't matter. But we do have the church store as well that if you'd like to come and support the work. Okay. We're going to listen to a song called, my song called The Whole Armor of God and a um, song I wrote. And I hope you enjoy it. Next week, we'll probably get back on Matthew 22, but I do have a, a load of other things that I want to talk about, but I do want to finish up Matthew by the end of the year, so I kind of got to get going on that. We still have eight more to go. So, um, yeah, that's going to do it. Okay, guys, um, as always, may you always keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the word that breaks all spells onto eternal life. May his grace be with you all. Amen. All right, that's going to do it, guys. Thank you all so much. I will see you next week, and as always, many blessings and much love to all. Salvation song leads me to your love. I got
the sword of the spirit lord i got my snake and rod and i put on the Spirit Lord, I got my snake and rod, and I put on. 